Hey, this is Eric Olivares, pastor at Axios Church in Lakeland, Florida, and this is our podcast. Axios' mission is to point people to Jesus so they can find worth and purpose in God. We hope this message encouraged you and uplifted you throughout your week. Enjoy the message. Uh, two weeks ago, we started a series um, called Water. Water. And week one, we talked about Noah. We talked about Noah and how he, how God spoke to him with the ark and through through this whole situation and how God invited Noah into the ark and um, and how he invites us into salvation on a daily basis. And week two, in week two, we talked about um, the the man at the pool of Bethesda. Last week we talked about that and how disillusionment becomes our reality when we don't have hope in our lives and how we need to ask the honest questions in our life because if we're not honest, we can't be transformed. We can't be transformed. And then how he picked up and go. He picked up his mat. He picked up his comfort and he went because he he, he was telling everybody by doing that, that he's not going back to that place, that he's changed and that he's not going back. And today we're going to be talking about, we're going to navigate through another water source and um, we're going to go to the book of John. We're going to go to the book of John chapter four and we're going to talk about a conversation a conversation that Jesus had with a Samaritan woman at a well. A conversation that um, Jesus had with a Samaritan woman at the well. Let me give you some context. Let me. We're going to be reading this in just a little bit. But let me give you a little bit of context of what we're going to be reading into it. In this time, Jesus has been traveling. Um, he has not announced yet that he is the Messiah, but he's going from town to town, getting his disciples ready, getting all things prepared for him to do the big announcement that he is the Messiah to others. Other people believe that he was the Messiah, but he didn't announce it on his own. He didn't say, hey, I'm here until this moment at a woman at a well. See, you know, the, the Samaritans and the Jewish people did not like each other. They did not like each other. They didn't uh, enjoy each other's company. They didn't have lunches together, dinners together. They did not like each other. Matter of fact, the road um, to go from, see, Jesus was going to Galilee with his disciples, but he stopped at Samaria. But the reality is the the route to go to Galilee was shorter going through Samaria, but people did not take the shorter route. They went around because they were so scared and didn't like the Samaritan people that they rather put two, three days into their journey instead of going a straight path through Samaria. That's how much they hated each other. That's how much they hated. They had to make sure. You remember the times me and my wife were talking the other day. You know, now you get navigation through your phone and everything like that. But when I asked my wife to marry me, um, we, we it, was, it was a while back, and we still printed out, you know what I'm talking about? You still went to MapQuest, right? And you printed out this, this thing. So I, I remember we put it all together, and we were just talking about that. It is, it, they added time into their schedule. It's the, it's the same thing. They're going from toll roads, then going the scenic route. You know, is adding that extra time. This is what people intentionally did, not because they wanted to, because they hated the people in that town. The Jewish people and Samaritans, they hate each other. Imagine now the disciples are going to Galilee with Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, we need to stop. We need to go through Samaria. Imagine the looks that the disciples gave Jesus at the moment. Let's read here in John chapter 4, verse 3 and 6, as we set the stage of this conversation. It said in verse 3, 
He left Judea, departing again from Galilee, going for Galilee. And he had to, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to the town of Samaria called Shekar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus um, wearied, uh, wearied had his, um, from his journey, he was sitting beside a well. It was about the sixth hour. You got to really understand the wording here. Leave that up there real fast. Um, uh, he said that Jesus had to pass through Samaria. It's clear. He had to. But we really know that you don't have. There is another route, uh, route to go to Samaria. And in reality, even though it was quicker to go to Samaria, they didn't take those routes. So normally it would not go through Samaria. But why did Jesus? He said he had to. He had to go through Samaria because Jesus knew that his mission, his mission was not around Samaria. It was going through Samaria. Why? Why go to people that are not liked? Why go to people that are normally judged? Why go to people that are discriminated against? Why? Why? Because, uh, because this, Jesus loves people that get saved, but he came for the unsaved. We got to know that. He, he loves us that we become saved, but his mission was for the unsaved. So if there was somebody, if there was something that was drawing Jesus near this sinful, near this unforbidden place called Samaria, he had to stop in his tracks to go for the one. And you think you're far off. And you think that you've done so much. This was not only a, a, a spiritual, it was a cultural thing that you did not do, but Jesus had to. What does that tell me today? We have to understand that Jesus goes for the people that nobody looks at. Jesus goes for the ones that are discriminated against. Jesus goes for the ones that are judged. So, so if we are followers of Christ, that needs to be our heart as well. It needs to be our heart as well. The people that everybody is judging, the people we need to be drawn to those people because those people are the unsaved and we need to show them a better way. But what we do is we tend to just come into our churches, come into our little country clubs of churches and just be with each other. And there's a lost and dying world. We have to go out and show people the love of Christ. Because if Jesus had to stop at Samaria, he shook things up. He should, See, back in those days, all the religious people go to the synagogues and everything. And they just all just went to these places. And they read the Torah. They read everything. And started like kind of judging people at times of what they were doing. They weren't doing the rituals right. They weren't doing all the things that were supposed to be done right. It was just based all these judging things. And you had to be this perfect person. But in reality, you would never become perfect. So you'll always fall short. Then Jesus comes in the scene and says, hey, I am the Messiah. I am the one that you are, that you wanted all along. And I am going to the lowest of lows. I am going to Samaria. Mind blown to the Jewish people. 
You don't do that. You just go to Jerusalem, be the king, be the Messiah, and just, just rally all the Jewish. No. So us as a church, us as a follower of Jesus Christ, our heart needs to be always attentive to the people that are hurting, that are feeling discriminated against, and the people that need Jesus. If it was the heart of Jesus, it needs to be the heart of us as well. There was no other option but Samaria. In other people's mind, around means good. But for Jesus' mind, there was no other option. What if he tells you today, there's no other option but you? He wants you. He stops the tracks for you. Doesn't matter what you're dealing with. These Samaritans were so messed up. But he said, I have a heart for the people that are messed up. And I'm going to go after them. So here's the thing. So now that we know that we stopped the Samaria, we go to this picture. I'm setting all this to, to show us how unorthodox this conversation is with the Samaritan woman and Jesus. See, now we go to this woman that is at, that's going to the swell at noon, at noon. Why at noon? You gotta understand this also. The women came to the water, and uh, this woman came to the water at an unusual time, and she came alone. And she came alone. Typically, women can, came to the water source, to the well, early in the day, and they came in groups. So this tells me that this woman was perhaps a social outcast. She was shunned by other women in the community. Have you ever felt judged before? that you have to go around, you have to walk on eggshells. Imagine this woman. Everybody is hanging out. Everybody's going to this well alone, and she has to go alone by herself in the hottest time of the day. This is the scene that we're seeing. We're seeing Jesus being weary from travel and now meeting this woman that is coming by herself, feel alone, feels judged, feels oppressed, feels like she's nothing, and she collides with Jesus at a well. You guys also understand that this encounter with this Samaritan woman and Jesus, it broke every spiritual, cultural, ethical view of that time because Jesus was a, they say he was a rabbi. So traditionally, rabbis did not speak to women in public. It's, he didn't even speak to their wives in public in those days. Men, don't do that. <laughs> I'm just trying to set a scene for you because this is a very unusual that Jewish person would even ask for favors from a Samaritan. So now Jesus is saying, hey, can I have a cup of water with your cup? It blew the mind of this woman. But all that day, all barriers were broken because Jesus chose this woman at a well to start the announcement of the greatest ministry ever to know. Let's go to John chapter 4, verse 7 and 15. As we set that, 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 that foundation, let's read our main verse and let's see what this lady had to learn and what we can learn in our lives as well. 4, chapter 7, verse 15, it says, a woman, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus asked her, give me a drink. The Samaritan woman said to him, 
How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you will have asked him that he would have given you living water. Verse 11, and the woman said, sir, have, sir you have nothing to draw water with, um, and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Verse 12, are you greater than our father Jacob? He, he gave us this well to, and drank from it himself and did his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give them will never thirst again. The water I give them will become in him a spring of water welling up eternal life. And the woman says, sir, give me this water so that I may not thirst or get, come here to draw water again. See, this outcast woman was a part of the story, but she needed to understand a couple things that to, instead of being who people identify her, for her to be who God called her to be. And we need to know this as well. Number one is this. Stop striving for approval instead of striving for wholeness. Stop striving for approval instead of striving for wholeness. In verse 16, it says, Jesus said to her, go call your husband to come here, and the woman said, I have no husband. See, this Samaritan woman was not a little angel. She was, she was mixed with the wrong crowd. She was poor, a Samaritan. She had a horrible reputation, and, and, and she was married five times, and the man that she was living with was not her husband. I would say this, that she was looking for approval and fell short Every time she was seeking, she probably didn't know any other way but seeking approval of men and being empty on the inside each and every time. Let me ask you this question. Are you approval thirsty? Are you approval thirsty? Because we can strive for the approval of many but leave empty always on the inside. It is common for people to try to satisfy this God satisfaction inner thirst through many things, but never through Jesus and what he gives to us. We tend to seek, but we always find a quench of thirst that will always lead us wanting more. That's how I was. Let me give you a little testimony and, blame, and kind of put attention on me. I was a very prideful person. Still am sometimes, okay? Don't judge. You are too. Um, I grew up in, in church and I grew up in things. And when I started becoming in ministry, I was part of a, you know, denomination and everything like that. And, and through all that, you know, you, you have to kind of know the right person. You know, in business, you, you see this all the time. You know, like it, when you're growing up and you're trying to get up into the ranks and everything, you know, you're about what, what board you're on or what, what thing you're in or, or who you know. You need to talk to them. When you go to this meeting, you better talk to this person to get to this person to get to where you really want to go. You've been there before. That's how I was. So I was so ingrained in that where, where I would go to like these meetings and these, these conventions and everything like that and not even worry about the convention. I was just so worried about who I need to get up approval from that I that I that I in a way I lost who I was 
And I was so worried about what, what this person thinks of me or, or what board I'm on or what I need to be or who I need to be. Or, and, and I lost who I was until God checked me one day and said, do you want the approval of many or do you want the approval of one? And he checked me. And, and, and I had to realize and I had to humble myself to be like, hey, I'm looking for approval of many. And then I had to start questioning myself. Is there something wrong with me? Why do they want to prove me? Well, because it wasn't that they didn't want to prove me. It's that I was trying to, uh, I was trying to fulfill something on the inside that only God can fulfill, and men's approval can't do that. And this woman was dealing with this. She was going husband after husband, trying to find this longing, trying to find something that can quench this thirst, quench this thing. And it was always Jesus, and she never knew it. And she was trying to find the approval of many. See, when we try to look at approval in relationships and friendships and titles and social status, we're always going to be quenched for a moment, but it will never last a lifetime. Only in Jesus that it can happen. See, just by Jesus having a conversation with this lady, Jesus was telling her just by talking to her that I notice you. And this lady thought that she was going to a well just to get some water. But in reality, she was really seeking approval and attention. And all she was doing it through men. But Jesus today, by having this conversation, said, hey, I see you. I notice you. Jesus told in this conversation, I see you and I want to make you whole. That thirst trap that you're dealing with is leaving you to nowhere. But the living water that I want to give you is something that you desperately need, is acceptance and knowing that you have hope. Yeah, your life might be crazy. Yeah, you might have done some crazy things in your life. Maybe you have made some bad decisions. You have gone to attention, attention, trying to find attention and approval in different places. But God's saying, the approval I give you, the hope that I give you, will only there will last forever in your life you don't have to go to somebody else you have to just go to me that's why jesus was so jesus was so important because we used to have to go to somebody else for approval of our sins but when jesus got in the picture the veil was torn and access was given to the king of kings and to the lord of lords we don't have to get approval from anybody else we can go straight to him because he approves us and puts his hope in our life See, this lady didn't thought she needed water, but she really needed acceptance and hope. And Jesus gave it to her by just noticing her. Hey, I noticed that you're tired. Hey, I noticed that you're weary. And I'm going to meet you where you're at. Us striving for approval for, uh, uh, for different things and acceptance and different things are going to leave us scattered in life. But when we, when, we get for, when we go for wholeness, God is going to leave us assured for the plan he has for us. There's nothing better in life than being assured, than being secure. That's what we all want, security, assurance, knowing that everything's going to be okay. And this moment, this lady didn't have that. But by Jesus saying, hey, I see you. I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to speak truth and hope in your life. It gives this lady assurance to know that, hey, it's all going to be okay. He chose this lady, and he chose you today. Number two, the question is, was it challenging or was it judging? Everybody thinks that they're being judged. If Jesus was in year 2021, he will be canceled 100 times. 
canceled, canceled, canceled. Number one, this man, Jesus, shouldn't be talking to his lady. Let's just read it here. In, in, um, it says, Jesus said to her, you're right. You have no husband, for you have five husbands, and the one that you are, the one you are, you have now is not your husband. That is true. That Jesus is, sometimes when I look at them, I'm like, Jesus, he does that awkward, like, hey, you shouldn't say that. <laughs> you shouldn't say that. This is where it gets a little testy. Jesus already wasn't supposed to be speaking to this lady. Jesus started this, uh, this, this conversation of, hey, what you really thirst, you really don't thirst. You need acceptance in me and acceptance in hope in my life and to give you the wholeness that I can give you. But then... Not only did he start attacking her, like trying to help her with her spiritual life, then he starts going personal. Don't you hate when Jesus goes personal? Like, just go, like, go around the bush. Like, don't go to me. Don't come at me. He goes personal with this lady. And he starts kind of telling her what she's doing and telling. And you can look at this and say, hey, then Jesus is judging her. Jesus is judging her, but is it judging or is it for growth? Because we can look at what we have to deal with and people calling it out on us, and we can look at it as, oh, they're always judging me, but, but can we look at it as, hey, maybe I need to grow? See, you know those people that love the tea, you know, love the gossip, and when they're talking about somebody else, they're like, mm, yeah, honey, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I saw that too. I saw that. But then when the roles are reversed and they're talking about them, they start putting some gloves on. You know what I'm talking about? You're too quiet today because you might be that person. I really don't know how to put these on. All right. But the thing is, is people like to judge others. But when the roles reverse, that's when we start putting the gloves up. We start saying, oh, no, 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 you can't, you can't talk about me. And the gloves go up. Jesus was definitely, like I said, he will be definitely canceled in his side. This lady had a choice, and we have a choice every day when we're challenged with the things that people are calling out at us. We have a choice to either feel judged or for growth. We, it's your choice. You can live life ready. And this is what most of us do. I do it all the time. Because there's a difference. The, the lady felt that she was being corrected in love. And it's two different things. There are too many people that live life with gloves up, ready to defend and ready to swing. They're ready to swing with their words. They're ready to swing with their actions. They're backstabbing because they feel attacked. Most people that are judgmental, most people that are gossipers are doing that because they feel judged themselves. So uh, it's a defense mechanism. It's like, hey, I need to put the gloves up before you hurt me because I've been hurt before. So I need to live like this because if I don't live like this, then you're going to really see what's on the inside. I've been there before. It's a difficult, it's so hard to live always like this on the defense. This lady could easily be like, hey, Jesus, hold up right there. You don't know who I am. You don't know me. You don't know my life. 
You don't can't, can't come here at this well that I come all the time. You've never been in through Samaria. What you, you, you can't come and judge me. You don't know who I am. But she saw something different in Jesus that day. That that put her guard down and listened to the correction. Oh my gosh. If we always live like this, we're never gonna grow past the gloves. We're always going to live in defense when God tells us to drop the gloves and live like this and say, God, through all humility, whatever I need to learn, whatever I need to do, whatever I need to surrender, I live life with open hands. Because when I am in always defense, defense always says, hey, defense always says there's nothing wrong with me is somebody else. Defense always says, hey, I need to know, I need to make sure I know everything that I, that I need to attack somebody before they attack me. Defense is always about you and never about anybody else. Defense always says, defense is always looking for the next person to hurt them. Think about that. Because you've been hurt so much that you're just used to the hurt. And you're just like, I'm ready to go. But when you surrender it to God and you have your open hands, say, God, I'm sick of living life in defense. I'm sick of living life that everybody's against me. I want to live a life of humility. I want to live a life that my ears attentive to your correction. That's where we draw the line. We like the promises, but we don't like the correction. See, the lady, God had a massive plan for the lady, but she needed to be corrected before she entered into the promise. See, sometimes we need to know that the correction is meant for our growth. If you're a person that can't be challenged in the ways that you're living, in the ways that you're thinking, you're never going to be a person that's willing to change and grow. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 2, verse 1 says, Whoever loves discipline, uh, loves discipline, loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is. Anybody out there? No? He, he who hates reproof, I want to put it right there because I want you to see it. Did you, do we not have it? Because I don't want it. It says, You're stupid. <laughs> it literally, I'm not lying. It says in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but the one who hates reproof is stupid. It's, it's clear as day. In, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, for the moment all disciples seem, uh, for the moment his discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields to peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. That's meaning that I take the pain and it lets me train for my hope. That I take the correction that God gives me, that sometimes other gives me, and then I have to train it for us to grow in our life. But when we're always like this, we're never going to grow. But here's the thing. The difference why this lady accepted the correction of Jesus, because he did it a little differently, because he corrected her 
through the lens of love. It was a genuine correction, not a biased opinion. Oh, she I hate the people. I hate the wrong words. I don't hate anybody. I dislike, I dislike people that come to you thinking that you, you thinking that they need to correct you, but it's not out of love, it's out of about their opinion about you. But uh, you know, I, I was they always use God in it. I was praying. <laughs> I was fasting and praying for you. No, you weren't. You have, a, you have a biased opinion about me that you don't even know. You know the truth. People make these truths about you, and then they come to you, and you're like, I didn't know even that about myself. I didn't know I was dealing with that. But they come with these biased opinions, but Jesus came not in a judgmental way. See, this is what we got to learn as believers. We need to help each other grow, but we can't help each other growing by tearing each other down. See, we come through the eyes of love. Hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to tell, do, do this. Be a person that are, is close enough that people want to hear. Because if we're always aside, when we come with correction, what God's telling us to say to each other, you know, we're always going to come in defense. But we have to understand that Jesus came in the eyes of love and looked at the lady and said, hey, I don't judge you, but I know what you're dealing with. And there's a better way. See, that's the difference. We, we look at each other and say, hey, you're doing this and you need to do this other. No, no, no. It always goes through the eyes of love. I love you. And I, I see purpose in your heart. I see God can work in you. And he's doing it right now. But, but what if we can just tweak it a little way? See, Jesus didn't judge the lady. He, she, he made her think of her sin. And through the eyes of love, it correct. It's called the workings of the Holy Spirit. You're not the Holy Spirit. You can speak in 17 tongues, and I'm great with it. We believe in tongues. But tongues ain't going to change me. The Holy Spirit in my life is going to change me. His, his working in my life, you can correct me, but it's through the Holy Spirit that I'm really transformed. And when we're not seeking God, we're always going to be transformed by an opinion and not through the true workings of the Holy Spirit in our life. We need to live life without the gloves and open our hands to humility and what God wants to do in our lives. The lady looked at Jesus, accepted the correction, and changed her life forever. And God said, come and find what you were looking for all along. Number three, the last one. Stop overthinking and start believing. Start, stop overthinking and start believing. Verse 19, it says like this. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain, but you say that Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus answered, woman, believe me, the hour is coming where neither this mountain nor Jerusalem, you will worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we, we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking people for those to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming. He's also called the Christ. 
when he comes, he will tell us all these things. And Jesus looked there and said, I who speak to you am he. Mm. Do we have any overthinkers in this room? So we got one. That you overthink everything? Even when God is telling you the answer, you still overthink it? Like, I mean, yeah, God, but you, you overthink it. But I'm not knocking you, and I'm not judging you, because I'm not an overthinker. And sometimes I go out of impulse, and I'm in trouble. See, overthinkers, they plan, and they prepare. But when it comes to overthinking at times, we can block what God is telling us to do in the now. See, Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is, um, um, if, if this is excellent, let anything worthy of praise think about these things. This well that this lady was, she thought it was going to quench her thirst. Sometimes we need to, we need to think ourselves away of what God is going to reveal. Sometimes we think ourselves, overthink ourselves away from what God is trying to reveal to us. See, we can overthink so many things in our lives, but God is saying, just believe. Just believe. Stop thinking about it. You're never going to really understand it because it says that his way is past our understanding. His ways are past our understanding. So if you overthink so much, you're never going to believe truly. But I, I, I'm, a, I'm a golfer. Oh, I try to be a golfer. All right. I shot horrible yesterday. Um, I was watching the U.S. Open, okay? Um, and nobody watches golf here because I can hear what the heck is the U.S. Open, okay? But let me just explain to you. There's this two golfers right now that I like to follow. His name is Kafka and uh, DeShambo, okay? DeShambo is this buff guy. I mean, he, he's hitting the balls like 350 yards. Um, Kappa, he's from Florida State. Woo, Seminoles. Um, and um, he, he, he just a golfer that just goes. He's just a natural golfer, okay? And they have this feud right now, okay? I love it. I love it. It's great for, the, it's great for golf. Golf is so boring, but when you have a feud with each other, you're like, yes, kill each other, all right? But, but, Kapka is one of these players that are just talented in the game, and he just goes and, and, just, and just plays. DeShambo is the kind of person that he overthinks everything. He knows every inch of the golf course, what dimension this, 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 this hill is. I mean, he has it all in a book. He, he does a scientific things about the ball and the air, and he's just so scientific with everything he does on the course. Sometimes he is so overthinking it that he messes up the shot that he really has to do because he's overthinking the shot. And the, 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 the people that were announcing it, they were like, listen, there he goes, overthinking again, overthinking again. We can do that at times where we are prepared and God is preparing us to do something, but we're overthinking the abilities that God has in us and we overthink what God wants to use in the now. You are equipped. You are called. You don't have to have it all together. All you have to do is have a willing heart, and God can use you right now. Stop overthinking it and start believing what can God do through me. 
we can start looking at people and say, hey, God is doing something there. What can God do through you if you stop overthinking it and start believing what he can do? This lady, she, what she thought about, she started overthinking the thing. The kingdom of God, the Messiah was right in front of her. And she told Jesus, hey, yeah, we used to worship on the mountain. We used to do this. We used to, we used to. And Jesus says clearly, hey, I know what you used to do, but guess what? I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. And Jesus had the biggest rock the mic moment. She's like, well, she's thinking. She's like, well, we used to do it this way. You're saying about this new way. Only the Messiah can really say what you're saying. And Jesus said, I'm he. It's me. And if, if this was a musical, this is the moment where the, the music, it's me, it's me on the side. This is how my mind works. It's a perfect time for a musical. Then the lady said, and you kept on reading, he said the lady looked at Jesus, accepted what he was doing, accepted that he was the Messiah, and went to tell everybody of what Jesus revealed to her. But if she started overthinking it, she would still be at the well thinking, was that the right guy? I mean, he looked good. He sounded good. But was he? You don't see what I'm saying? Sometimes we just, belief needs to re-rise up in our life for us to walk what God has. The lady would never have the testimony if she was stuck in thinking. But she started to believe, and then God, then when she believed, something transformed in her life, and she had to tell everybody else. She had to tell the crowd. She had to tell her friends, because what Jesus did, nobody else could done. The, the Messiah has arrived. What he, what he told me that nobody knew, he revealed it to me, and now, because what he said, I am not, not identified by what I used to be. Now I'm identified by what he told me who I am, and now I can tell everybody of what he did in my life because I am changed differently because I'm not overthinking it. I'm believing who God's called me to be. It's a change of mindset. It's saying, God, I, I accept you for who you are and what you're doing in my life. Her mindset had to change from overthinking to believing. And now the belief becomes a reality in her life because she's not thinking about it. She's being about it. As I close, we can talk all day, but are we being what we talk? We can try to overthink of what you don't have, but what can God use with what you have now? This lady had nothing. This lady had literally, think about this. He got the disciples and the disciples started believing, you know, that he was the Messiah. They, they did that. But he never, he never, till this moment, revealed to, a, to, to somebody in the crowd that he was the Messiah. So who did he choose to reveal himself to? This woman that didn't qualify. This woman that shouldn't be a part of the story. This woman that was an overthinker. This woman that dealt with identity issues. This woman that, that dealt with acceptance issues. This woman that always tried to, to, to find acceptance in other things. He revealed himself 
to somebody that seemed disqualified, but Jesus reversed it. He says, hey, you're as qualified as anybody. You're as qualified as the rabbi. You're qualified because what I can do in your life, nobody else can do, but you have to believe that it can happen. And when she believed, it said that Jesus stayed in, in, in Samaria and thousands, thousands, you can play anytime, and thousands, thousands of people found Jesus that day. Why? Because one disqualified lady started to believe. She didn't take the judgment. No, 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 no. Dude, you can't talk. No, no. She took the correction and took it in and said, hey, how can I change? And God revealed himself to her. She believed. And now others can believe as well. You want to change people in your family? Believe. You want to change your environment? Believe. Because when you believe, start acting a little different. You start being less judgy. You start seeing people not as chess pieces to get to the next person. You look at them as people that are lost and dying and needs the hope of Jesus Christ in their life. If Jesus can use a Samaritan woman that had a horrible reputation, what can he do through your boss? What can he do through your, your coworker? What can he do through you? Oh, but I don't have, I, I don't know how to preach. I don't, I don't have the credentials. I don't, I don't have the thing, you know, I'm not, I'm not a pastor. Who cares? This was a lady that had five husbands. And I'm not even gonna tell you what people looked at her. She was disqualified. You have it in you. It's gotta believe. The Messiah, Jesus, is saying today, come as you are, I can wash you away. I can wash your sins away and I can take you just as you are for you to be a testimony to others that if he can do it through you. Have you been, who had a testimony that to be like, hey, if Jesus can do it through me, if he can take somebody that, that, that's been wrecked like me, what can he do through you? That should excite you. Hey, I've been a wreck. I've been, I've been on drugs before. I've been, I, I've been with this person. I've been with this person. But if God can transform me and I start believing what he can do through me, what can he do through you? Pass your issues. Pass your sin. What can he do through you? Accept him and believe. Accept him and believe. Jesus stopped in his tracks. And he's stopping for you today, not for a physical need, but for an eternal salvation for this lady. What if you say, Pastor Eric, I tried this Jesus thing before. I either quit, life hit, I didn't understand it, I was hurt. What do I tell you today? Drink again. Drink the living water again. Drink what he has for you again. The good news is you're not disqualified from the living water that he wants to give you today. Drink again. Drink again. 
accept him again, believe again, because that's when your life can be changed and transformed. God is already, listen to this, God has already prepared the way. All he has to do now is prepare you. He, he's already prepared the way. All he has to do is prepare you. You're not too far off. Stop living life defense. Live life in humility. Stop overthinking and accept what he has for your life. If it's correction, it's correction. If it's abundance, it's abundance. But you say, God, whatever you have, here I am. I believe in you. Thank you again for joining us here at Axios. Hey, to hear more messages just like this, go ahead and subscribe to this channel. If you want more information about Axios, go to axioschurch.com. There you can get more information, give, and connect. Remember, we love you, and we're in this together. Thank you.